0: today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. The commitment of
1: Christ is so clear toward His church. It's not a fair-weather commitment. It's not a partial commitment. This is a all-in, sacrificial, die-for-you commitment to the church. We often read at weddings, Ephesians chapter 5, and call the husbands, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Do you wonder how Jesus really feels about the church. He gave himself for it. Hope in God oh my
0: soul Ricky points out today that many Christians want Jesus but don't want the church. The problem is, as Pastor Ricky explains, having Jesus without the church isn't an option. Christ loves the church so much that he shed his blood for it. The church is constantly referred to throughout the scriptures as the Bride of Christ. Jesus chooses to pour his love into the church, broken as it might be. So if we love Jesus, we can't then hate the very church that Jesus loves and gave himself for. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 19. As he begins his message, he still calls her his bride.
1: We're going to read our text, Revelation 19, verses 6 through 10. This is God's word, brothers and sisters. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is God's word. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Or may we be caught up in this exaltation and song of praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been catching up with a number of people post-COVID. Does this happened to anybody where you, you were friends with somebody pre-COVID, and then you kind of lost touch for a couple years, or three, maybe three years, and then you're like, hey, it's so-and-so at the grocery store. Let's get together. And you get together, and maybe you're having a coffee, and you're catching up on life. And you, and you remember, imagine this, you remember, you know, your friend had a girlfriend, but frankly, she was a mess, right? I mean, she had all kinds of crazy stuff in her past. I, I mean, she, 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 that girl probably had a criminal record of some kind. Like, this, this is a sketchy girl. And, and, and yet she had, she, she had been making changes in her life. But you're just thinking, dude, it is not, my, my this is, she's not right for my friend. And so you, you know, after you catch up, you kind of say, hey, man, I'm so glad that it seems like, you know, that, that girl's not in your life anymore. Frankly, you know what? I didn't want to say this at the time, but like, uh, you know, I, just not a fan, okay, you know, and, and you get to go through the list of like, she did this and she did that, and I heard she did this in the past, and I heard she did that in the past, and, and your friend is just kind of looking at you and letting you talk and letting you talk, and finally you, you get to the end and say, so anyway, whatever happened with that? And he says, she's my wife. <laughs> in that moment, you're not gonna be, <laughs> you're not gonna be a, a great friend to your friend, are you? You know, years ago, I read a headline that was summarizing some research on people in America, and Christians in particular, and I can't remember if it was Barna or Pew or or one of those similar organizations that are polling Christians and non-Christians, and the, the title of the findings was this. They like Jesus, but not the church. And I think what Revelation reminds us is this. You cannot separate Jesus and the church. It's like trying to separate a man and his wife. Hey, you're not gonna invite your friend over and say, listen, listen, you're welcome at my house anytime, but frankly, don't bring your wife. That ain't gonna work. That's not gonna work for your friend. It's certainly not gonna work for Jesus. And so, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna pull on this thread of the church. And see that these two things are inextricably linked, that the church is dear to Jesus and therefore should be dear to us. Charles Spurgeon, with one of my favorite quotes, 19th century preacher, he said this, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth. So Jesus calls the church dear. Is it dear to you? First question today, what is the church to Christ? What is Christ's relationship to the church? Now, in the context of Revelation, this is a very intentional section. We've just seen Babylon. We've just seen the beautiful, flourishing, wealthy, seductress Babylon who represents kind of the world and culture opposed to God. And we've seen that she looks great, she's rich, she's in bed with all the rulers of the earth, and yet in the end, she comes to nothing. She is bankrupt. All of her beauty fades and falls. And then in contrast to her, another figure is introduced, the bride of Christ. Now, here is the the question you might have as you think about, okay, Jesus calls the church his bride. Does he not see her as we do? Because I don't know if you remember Revelation 2 and 3. uh, Alec preached well last week, just some of the faults and failures that Jesus really clearly sees in his church. Across the seven churches, here's what you've got. Ephesus had abandoned its first love. Jesus sees it. Pergamum and Thyatira had immorality running through the church, mixed with false teaching and heresy. Sardis, spiritually asleep. Laodicea, lukewarm, right? I mean, the, the, Jesus is not like rose colored glasses. Have you ever had a friend who maybe their, their, their girlfriend or boyfriend, you're, you're kind of seeing, like, dude, every time we get together with your boyfriend, he's like 45 minutes late. And the girl's like, oh, it's just adorable. You know, he's just a little late. You know, it's so quirky. He's so quirky. And you're just like, oh, you know, that's not the case with Jesus. He sees really clearly. Th- these things are obvious to him. In fact, Scripture goes even further. In the book of Hosea, for example, God pictures his people as, somebody, as his wife, but his wife that runs away and continues to commit adultery. And, and, and God says to his people, look, this is what you've done. You, 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 I've set my love on you. I've rescued you. I've freed you. And yet you keep running away. And in the book of Hosea, the prophet literally goes and buys back his adulterous wife that sold herself into slavery. at at the cost of his own money and possessions. And yet scripture says he still loves her. Christ still calls her his bride, Similarly, today, we see the faults and failures of the church. Local churches, denominations, leaders, right? Leaders fall, we've seen over the last few years. Denominations can fail. Podcasts and blogs will pick through the wreckage of churches and their leaders, right? Newspapers that never, I'm not saying newspapers normally trumpet the good things churches are doing, are more than happy to trumpet the bad things that churches have done. Somehow that makes the front page. And outside the eye of the public in a hundred ways and in a thousand churches, people can be, Christians can be, church members can be unkind and proud and envious. And there is gossip and slander and hurt. That's the reality. And let's not forget that we ourselves can contribute to some of that hurt and loss and envy and gossip. Look, in the In the context of Scripture, the church here in Revelation 19 is is the true church. We understand that right now there is a mixture, even in a room this size or a church our size, there's a mixture of people who are true believers in Christ and maybe others that seem as though they are, but in the end will be revealed as not. Sadly, as a pastor, I've seen people over the years, they can talk like a Christian and walk like a Christian and, and say Christian things, and yet in the end, their actions betray that they do not love the Lord at all, perhaps never knew him in the first place. Doesn't Jesus see this, this messed up, mixed up church? Yes, he does. He grieves it. He calls for it to change, right? In Revelation 2 and 3, he doesn't leave the church there. He meets the church where she is, but he does not leave her there. He calls her forward. And yet in Revelation 19, the the court of heaven, as it were, rejoices, and the Lord himself still calls the church his bride. Right? This is, as we'll see in Revelation, Jesus is no reluctant bridegroom at a shotgun wedding. Something went wrong, all of a sudden the dad's like, you better make this right, boy. And he's all of a sudden walking down the aisle. No, this is not that. Heaven, the, the host of heaven rejoices and exalts over this union, as does the bridegroom. Look, the, the commitment of Christ is so clear toward his church. It's not a fair weather commitment. It's not a partial commitment. This is a all in sacrificial dive for you commitment to the church. We often read at weddings Ephesians chapter five and call the husbands husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Do you wonder how Jesus really feels about the church? He gave Himself. For it. There is nothing more he could have given. Body and all he offered up for the church. He loves the church. So how then can this work though? How can it be that, that Christ's bride is, when we see her, not stained and spotted with sin, but clothed with fine white linen and, and, and is beautiful in the sight of heaven? How does that come to me? How do you take what she is and, and, what, and Christ's love for her and make them, you know, come to bring them together for eternity? Well, it is what Christ has done when he gave himself for her. Christ, we've seen earlier in Revelation washes the sins of his bride with his own blood. Revelation chapter seven says this. When we see the, 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 the believers in chapter seven, verse 14, the angel says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Jesus sees the sins and faults and failures of his people, but he has offered himself, and the, the picture is offered his blood that he might wash their sins, might die for them in their place, that those sins would be washed away. A few years ago, I, I, my first job at the church was Tom the pastor at the time was trying to bring me on trying to figure out some way to do that. So he figured out I can get Ricky a full-time job at the church. Just a third of it is like property maintenance though. And so I didn't know anything about property maintenance. So I remember there were some problems in the backyard at one point with some of our sprinklers. And whose job is that? I guess it's mine. And so I'm in the backyard trying to dig through you know dirt. And I don't know if you know this, but in our backyard we have the like mud and clay, a mud and clay mixture designed by Satan himself. Like it is, he spent a lot of time on it, perfected it, and just plopped it in the back. And it is like you stick your hand in it and it like sucks your hand in. Feels almost like quicksand, I'm not joking. We, we've had kids lose their shoes in the backyard and those shoes are never seen again. The parents are just like, you know what, we're done. We're just gonna leave it. It's not worth it. So I remember being out there one day and I, and I just had to get my whole body, I'm trying to dig this sprinkler part out, replace it. And I remember walking back into the church you know, trying to wipe my shoes off. And I just thought, I need to just get my keys and go home. So I'm walking up and Tom, their pastor at the time, looked at me and, and so I, I meet him and I am just covered in demon mud. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I'd probably go home too. Like I, I, I went home and they took me, I'm not kidding. It's not like a little rinse off. This was like scrubbing this stuff off of me. You knew what I did with the shirt? I threw it away. It just, that's it, Right. So it is with the bride of Christ. She may be stained. She may be soiled. She may have tried to rub the stains clean herself to no avail. And Christ comes, offers his life, and offers to wash her sins away. And not only that, not only that, he washes her sins, then clothes her. Isaiah 61 says it like this. I will rejoice greatly in in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. The picture is this. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, so it is with Christ and the church. He offers to not only wash her, but then clothe her in his own righteousness. So on the cross, he pays for our sins and his righteousness comes to us and we wear clothes that we did not and could not earn before him. Now, look, this is where the pictures overlap because it says, well, wait, these are the righteous deeds of the saints. So, are they clothes that the, the lamb gives her or are these her own clothes? All right, G.K. Beale sums it up better than I can. So, I'll let him talk here. He says the phrase, righteous deeds of the saints, is probably intentionally ambiguous, expressing two different ideas. Right? These pictures can overlap in Revelation. First, righteous acts performed by the saints. And two, righteous acts for the saints, such as God's final just acquitting and vindicating judgments, meaning that the pictures overlap. These are robes of righteousness Christ gives the church. These were given to her. But then here's the beauty. Christ begins to work in her in such a way that she actually begins to act rightly and justly with righteousness. So the clothes are given, but also the clothes are beautified in a sense. By the righteous deeds of the saints, showing the dramatic, salvific, heart-changing work of Christ himself. Who, did, who, who made possible the righteous deeds of the saints in the first place? The work of Jesus Christ. From start to finish, from her washing, to her clothing, it is all done by Christ. And in the end, in the end, in Revelation 21, when we behold the gathered people of God this is what we read, verse, Revelation 21, verse nine. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb earlier just earlier 213 says this behold the dwelling place of god is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and god himself will be with them as their god oh church in the end christ's work is perfected he washes his bride he clothes his bride he perfects his bride till she is radiant so section 2 then what is the church to the christian if the church is christ's bride if that's what the what the church is to Christ himself. What is the church to the Christian? Well, I think we see what our response to the church should be in this text. It says this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord, God our, Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And listen to this. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. Meaning this. The church today, us here now, we are called to no indifferent response to the bride. Like, oh, I guess it's cool if you're into that. No! If that is true, that Jesus has made the church his bride, our response is yes! We rejoice in the church. We exult in what God is doing in and through the church. There is no passivity. There is no like, no, oh, if you're into that. No! Here's what I want you to see. If you love Jesus... You got to love what Jesus loves. There's no loving Jesus and not loving what he loves. There is no option. Like, would you like to accept Christ's gift of salvation? Check yes. Also, would you like to hear more about his project, the church? She is an absolute mess. And we can find you a place to serve in screaming kids ministry. I'm going to say no. I'm going to take Jesus, not that part. No, they're bound together for all eternity. You will never get Christ apart from the church. Therefore, the church is called to rejoice and exalt and give glory to God for what he is doing. Look, the, the, here's, here's the one critical point I want you to get in this image. This is a Corporate image. Over and over in Revelation, the, the text is emphasizing the corporate nature of the church, right? The, the gathered multitude, the big group, the bride, right? The, the metaphors in scripture, the body, the temple, all of them, they are corporate pictures, meaning this. You cannot have an individual Christian theologically that is not connected to the corporate body, corporate bride of Jesus. You, you can't pick one and not the other. Look, remember back in the day, I think there's a new version of it. There, there was the Adams Family. Love the Adams Family. If you're in a weird old black and white, somehow horror comedies were big at that time with the Munsters, the Adams Family. But one of the characters, somebody, I didn't even know the name of the character. There's a character in the Adams Family called Thing. You guys remember Thing? What's Thing? The hand, right? The hand just walks around, right? And... And the hand is kind of funny and charming, and they do quirky things with it. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cute, right? Nobody wants to see a disembodied hand walking down the aisle, <laughs> right? We're not opening the big doors, ba ba da, you know, and then the bride comes in, and it's a hand wearing a little like headdress. Da- that's not happening. And yet, and yet, hear me, so many Christians think that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to be an individual Christian existing apart from and outside of the corporate identity of the church. And here's the thing. In the New Testament, local Christians are always connected to local churches. You only need a local church if you're a local Christian. If you're just a universal Christian, meaning like you're not a real person, and you're just an ethereal idea, yeah, you probably don't need a local church. But if you are a flesh and blood Christian, you need a flesh and blood church. I love the way our statement of faith says it. The guys served us well in crafting a new statement of faith. And many statements of faith don't have a section on the local church. And so this this is what they crafted. And I love this sentence. It says this, as an expression of Christ's universal church, the local church is the focal point of God's plan to mature his people and save sinners. As an expression of Christ's universal church, the local church is the focal point of God's plan to mature his people and save sinners. Can you believe that? That seems unbelievable to me, that, that, that the, the mundane of what we have on Sunday morning with the donuts and coffee and the chairs that don't exactly match because we got them cheap at one point. We just have purple chairs and slowly we're getting better chairs, and, right? And John had to break a string on his guitar and worship and just the mundane, like, this is what we do. We get together and maybe a kid's ministry worker called in sick and we're going through the emergency exit. All of that, that mundanity is theologically the focal point of God's plan to mature his people and save sinners that's insane to me and yet that's what God is saying in his word that today we here are an expression of the pride of Jesus Christ oh and 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 here's one one other point I want to make here one of the thing you see in Revelation I don't know if you notice this but it is nuts in the end times Of which jesus says we are in right now it is nuts there's beasts coming out attacking people there's false prophets running around deceiving people there's babylon seducing people the dragon is roaring through them all and it's scripture says that that satan walks around like a roaring lion seeking people to devour i don't know about you but i don't like your chances by yourself against that
0: Ricky will continue teaching through this series in Revelation next time. We hope you'll join us then. If you're wanting to hear more messages from this series, go to BetterNewsRadio.com and click on the radio tab. You'll also find access to the podcast there as well. What are some of the takeaways from Revelation that you've heard so far? How do you think it all applies to the here and now of today? Although Revelation was written centuries ago, it's still referring to things that are yet to come in the future. This should give you a hope for the God who comes to save. For those who don't have a relationship with God, the book of Revelation should put an urgency in your heart that this world and those who reject God are going to be judged. But there's so much life for you to have by believing and accepting Jesus as your savior. Our hope is that these messages are drawing you closer to the one that saves. When you're at our website, we encourage you to check out Pastor Ricky's book under the book tab. It addresses some of the hard questions that you might be wrestling with as you live in a world that's kind of messed up. There's a reason and a purpose for everything that God does, and maybe this book will give you some valuable insights into the heart of God. Once again, go to betternewsradio.com to find that link to download. While our time with you for today is up, we do trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. Make sure you join us again for the next edition in Revelation with Pastor Ricky, right here on Better News Radio.